0: Afternoon or morning, this is a momentous day because we are, Jeff Wicken, sort of in the football library itself. For the first time. I've never done this with the human in the room of the <laughs> 250, and I've chosen a very special one because that is your book there. And you, Jeff Shreve's question, he's got a book out soon. You must be proud.
1: It's fantastic. Yes, I'm very proud. I, it's kind of uh, what I've wanted to do for a very long time. This is the centenary
0: of Vicarage Road, 100 years at Vicarage Road. It's got your name on the front, but there's a
1: team. There is a squad. You are just the Graham Taylor of this project. (laughs) Um, Yes, I mean, I I write for... Well, I currently edit the Watford Treasury magazine, so I recruited a number of our writers to to help out with uh, proofreading, um, some of the uh, digitisation of some of the pictures... Editorial suggestions, management of the process with the book publishing company, all the stuff that uh, I don't know about, really. Um, Certainly true of the managing uh, the the book publishing company. Um, Crucially, I got fabulous support from the people who have the rights to the images. So we've got about 350 images in there, many of which belong to the Watford Observer, uh, and they were, were very, very helpful in terms of giving access to their pictures. And the more recent ones uh, belong to Alan Cozy, who's the club's official photographer, who was immensely helpful with this project. Uh, when he started getting into it, he was even cleaning up you know, torn pictures uh, that belonged to other people and you know, really getting his hands dirty on it. So uh, that was crucial. Even more so was the fact that the Watford Football Club, who who are the publishers of this, um, put their head of design on the book for six weeks this summer. And that's why uh, it looks as lovely as it does.
0: It is so sleek and mazel on this. It's It's on in the club shop and I went to the centenary game, which was August the 30th. Uh, and you were paraded out on the pitch. Uh, <laughs> half time was you, Pete Bradshaw, uh, Jacob Colshaw? I saw, I think, Sam Ucko was there as well. And it wasn't, it was every Watford fan type represented the so called legacy fan, the so called modern kind of WD 18 fan. And it just looks magnificent. And it is on sale for the price of 2022. Two thousand and twenty-two pounds, and it looks pence. everywhere. <laughs> pence. Um, we would better get it open because this is the first time we're we're in the football. As you open it, I will explain to you what I've been explaining for the last two and a half years: that the Football Library is a place where every program, every uh, edition of Hornet Heaven. <laughs> so, in case Ollie Wicken is listening, there is there is a place you can go. Uh, read brilliantly by I can't remember Colin Mace. Uh, and written by Ollie. Do you have any
1: input in Hornet Heaven? Ollie sometimes bounces scripts and story ideas off me, but uh, yep, otherwise idea- not. But I did the music, actually. Oh,
0: that's yours. You did yes. the, the organ Z cars? Yes, cards. yes. Oh, well, you see, yes. you set the mood for it. Uh, so we've got <laughs> programmes and we have a meeting room, which is called the Andy Holt Lounge after the owner of Accrington. It's got his Twitter quote, good morning, by the way, on the walls plus videos, but the most interesting thing is the books of photography, such as A 100 Years at Vicarage Road. Even the inner uh, splash, the inner pages of the book, is lots of ticket stubs.
1: Are these all yours? No, mostly not. Um, some Where do of the, you source them? Some of the, a lot of them belong to a fellow called Chris Cooper, uh, who's a long-time ticket collector. But well, yeah, we have got one or two really ancient ones. There's one there from 1929. Yeah. My original goal was to have one ticket from from every season, uh, in the same way that we ha- we do have a picture of one program from every season. Oh, that's tremendous! In, in the back of the book,
0: going from one page in the nineteen twenties to the proper
1: uh, Vamos,
0: yes, the Shishko the, Munoz era.
1: The, the, the more recent ones, you have, just had have to take a, an example because the cover's different every week. But yeah. the old in the older eras, the, the cover stayed the same for a season, or indeed. Years and years and years uh, in the the 20s and the 30s. This is
0: when Watford were a third division South team. Watford, who have never won a top division trophy or a big cup tournament, uh, the biggest success. And we saw some of the trophies um, in the football library, which are on loan (laughs) to it. Um, We are talking in Watford, the home of sun printing. Uh, So did you always know Mm. that Watford was a centre of printing. Did, you, did you ever go down to the print works?
1: I'd never visited, no. I mean, I was always aware that it was a, a big printing town. Um, it was also a big, a big brewing town. Um, and the, the, the connection between the Brewers' Benskins and the football club was the, the defining one. I mean, going back to 1922, when the stadium itself was constructed, it was with a loan from Benskins,
0: Oh yes so the, the
1: land had previously been owned by uh, the church um, and the poor law administrators bentskins acquired the land from them loan and made it available to the football club uh, they also bought west hearts at the same time so to facilitate the move from the club by the club from the west hearts cassio road ground to vicarage road and loaned 15000 for the stadium to be constructed 15,000. That's odd because the figure that I know that the Pozzos
0: paid for Watford was about 15 million, which sounds like a bargain now. And 15,000 pounds for this land. And you have, yes. um, from old to new, it is a magnificent
1: cover of
0: this book. And it has already sold, didn't you say it sold 20,000 copies?
1: <laughs> it sold a lot. It sold 1,000 copies.
0: And how many was in the first print run? Three and a half thousand. Ah, so I'm here to sell the other 2,500. But it is in the football library and uh, I went to this game, Watford against Middlesbrough. And Watford won. We were playing in a black and white striped shirt which mimicked the shirt Watford played in in Uh,
1: 1922. Exactly that, yes. Um, Do we have a
0: photo of that original... The very first
1: match. Well, we have the photo from the big cup tie that they played against Newcastle in 1924. This is magnificent. I think I might put this on the football library wall for people to
0: look at because this shows so much, as with most things in football. It's not what happens on the pitch or in the 90 minutes of the game. It's what happens on the 166 and a half hours outside. So page 38 in your books, if you have it.
1: (laughs) So what's going on here? So, uh, well, this is Watford wearing the stripes, not Newcastle. Newcastle have a rather fetching uh, white away kit with a, a V. Yeah, like a chevron. Net, and really the quite next nice. A chevron. Yes. Um, so what's going on here is uh, the biggest cup tie that the, the ground had seen. Well, it was only in its second season, so it would be. But Watford playing at home to a first division club. Big deal. Um, there were 20... 3,000, I think, in, in the ground that day. Um, and you can see all along the touchline, and it's a very clear picture, uh, people sitting on temporary seating. They installed 750 temporary seats for this game. Did you have um, to pay extra, do you know, for the seats? Seats would generally cost sixpence extra. And, you know, there they all are along the touchline. Uh, there's, there's then, behind them, you can see probably 10 rows of people standing, Then a gap, because the rest of the space behind them was grass banking. And there's then just a little cluster of a few people at the very back, probably holding on to the fence to stop themselves sliding down.
0: That fence now, is that the media entrance?
1: Just about, yes. Yes, Yes, that's about where the media entrance is. And there
0: is the big, uh, what is now the Elton John stand, but a 100 years ago was... Your typical... That's not Frank Matcham, is it?
1: No, that's... Um, it was designed by a firm from Essex, I think. Very uh, nice. And um, it, it probably fits about It was, was state-of-the-art at the time. It, it was referred to by Athletic News yeah. as you know, the, probably the best-equipped in the south of England. You know, we all know it. Those who who were following Watford more recently as this sort of ramshackle, tumble down.
0: Well, it didn't exist when I went to Watford ten years ago. There was no uh, well, stand there. But yes. yes,
1: well, it stood derelict for a while. And there's a there's a picture uh, further on in the book of it being taken down.
0: Ah, uh, yes.
1: So just not...
0: after the Potters had taken over, I remember the yes. Potts. said, we're not going to knock it down unless there's demand. And then Watford reached, of course. When Watford beat Leicester in 2013, the ground only had three sides. Yes. So Troy rushes to what is now the Graham Taylor stand because he couldn't rush to the other side where the <laughs> dugouts were. So that's probably why Zola and everyone else ran onto the pitch because there was no one behind them. That's right. Apart from maybe three members of the media. Yes. But yes, it's all rubble uh, in about 2013. The attendances, as you can see here, shoot up for the Premier League era. But mm. I remember going when it was a quid. you go and see Watford-Peterborough for a quid. So even in 2013, there were still fan initiatives. And fandom is the key word here. Well, community, obviously, is the first word here, because Watford is the community club. Um, did you have Rita Taylor as overseeing this in any way, as someone affiliated with GT, with Graham?
1: Um, no, she, she was aware that this was was going on because... Um, she and I both volunteer for the, uh, the Golden Memories Dementia Support Programme that the Watford FC Community Trust runs, so uh, I was, was, was keeping her up with progress. And by the way, this is two years of progress. You haven't just knocked
0: this together in six (laughs) weeks. When you gave it to the designer, this is a long project that has reached fruition. Uh, It's available online, it's available in the Watford Club shop, and probably you as well. You've probably
1: got a box under your bed. I've only got about three copies at home, actually, yes. Wow. uh, uh, It's too heavy. It weighs 1.8 kilos. Oh, what's that? What's that in yen? It's about four pounds, I think. Crikey. Um, So, yeah, I was unable to to carry more than that home with me. Uh, But yes, this project has taken two years
0: and you talk to, well, probably everyone is everyone. I imagine Dave Messenger, who's um, currently involved behind the scenes at Watford, and Rich Walker, who is, and always has been, the community, uh,
1: sorry, the the the, media manager at Watford. The commons manager. Plenty of players and supporters. One of the things we wanted to do, as well as telling the story of the stadium, and I would say primarily through pictures, and there's a, there is 1,500 words of narrative per decade, but that's not actually very much. Um, so mostly this was always going to be primarily a picture book. But we also wanted to get the voice of supporters in there. So we put a number of call-outs out to fans through the club, asking supporters for their recollections and their memories on particular themes. So one of those was My First Match... Another one was coming along as a child or bringing your child. Another was non-football events.
0: Yes, yeah, so and we, we saw some in the Football Library because there's a massive exhibition where we are currently sitting and there were girl guides and horses and you've got to tell me about this motorcycle. The motorcycle
1: football, yes. Well, that's um, a fabulous discovery, uh, which I discovered here. We sit you know, in the museum uh, in the um, filing cabinets in, in, the, in the room upstairs here. I knew there'd been a motorcycle football because uh, one of our Treasury writers had written a piece for it in one of the early issues of the Treasury. But he didn't have the photo for no, it. No, he hadn't discovered these photos. And I was rum- rummaging around among the photos thinking, I wonder if you know, what there might be here. And I came across this picture uh, taken in the late 20s of, of a, a motorcycle football match going on. Uh, and there's the, the Vicarage Road end goal. Um the grass banking, you can absolutely see people standing on that, leaning on wooden crush barriers. You can see a little bit of the terracing behind the goal and and the railings that that block that off to where it's stopped. And there's a game going on. The, there, were, there were two occasions when motorcycle football was played on the stadium. And the reason it happened was because they were terribly short of money in the early days. The, the yeah, £15,000. The, the, the £15,000 loan from Benskins, they were supposed to pay that back at 10% a year, <gasps> uh, which was quite a large chunk of the annual income. And they couldn't do it. So they started putting on all these other events in the summer. Uh, to try and get some money in. A horse show, motorcycle football twice. Um, that's when the Greyhounds were introduced as well, uh, in the late yes. 20s. Uh, Which Elton
0: didn't like. That was one of the specifications well, of taking over the ground.
1: yes, and Graham liked it even less. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things that Rita would tell you about.
0: What, what I remember is that Watford shared the ground with Saracens before they moved to barnet Yes, So this meant that... The pitch wasn't conducive to the great passing game, which was great because Graham was positioned of maximum opportunity, <laughs> as was A.D. Boothroyd, as was, well, not Brendan Rogers. But by the time, is Brendan Rogers in this book or does he, a, does he uh, not he, appear? I, um, Who managed Watford for about yes. nine months,
1: 15 years ago? Well, I don't think so. I mean, this is a book about the history of the stadium. So you do have to refer to the significant moments and the significant players in terms of the owners of the club and the managers who achieved the the great promotion. So there's plenty of sort of shots of the golden matches, the golden promotions, the golden moments. So we have the Deeney goal, for example, um, and a picture of the 1969 promotion season. But individuals who sort of came and went are out of scope for the so book. There's, it's, there's, the book is about the history of the ground. There's more
0: Doily than Brendan. There is. And you, you do have here, this is a very nice double page spread. There's Elton David and Zach and Levi. Uh, and Elt does a forward for this, which yes, is magnificent. He does. Um but we have uh, a whole host of former players, all of whom you've probably met. There's Tommy Mooney in the middle, yes. Sir Nigel Gibbs. And this is the naming of the stand. It became the Graham Taylor stand, where I had a season ticket for one year. I was about there.
1: <laughs> um, you might be in the picture. I,
0: perhaps so. Um, and that's Graham. This is when he was still with us. So that is Graham with Alec Chamberlain and Luther behind him. And it is. it's magnificent that Watford have a figure who... Managed for ten years, and this is the era that you would have been, I guess, every week between '77 and '88. Yes, I
1: just I, I still find it hard to describe that era. But I mean, my take on that is that aside, perhaps from Liverpool, who won all the trophies, Watford were probably the best club in the country that you could have been a fan of at that time. Yeah, because of what was going on, the, 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 the promotions from the fourth division to the first division. Uh, then getting into the UEFA Cup, then the FA Cup final, and then s- becoming sustainable as a as a first division side, as as it then was. Um, and watching, and I talk about this in the chapter on the eighties. Vicarage Road at that time was unlike anywhere else in English football, so or British football, because everywhere else had fences because of the, you know the perceived issues with with hooliganism. <laughs> Um, and they were uncomfortable, and the experience was just pretty bad. Slum sport played by slum people. Yes. But my cousins and Watford, Jamie and Daniel were in the family enclosure. Yeah, at Watford, you have the family enclosure, the family terrace, the family this. You've got Anne Swanson brought in to to to, to run all of that, and she's recently been acknowledged in that by the by the naming of a, a section of one of the stands after her. And there were never any fences. And you have Radio Hornet, you have um, the players getting involved with the community. I mean, that's taking it outside the stadium, but, but it's no, just it, different to everywhere everywhere else.
0: Yeah. And again, well, I think Everton started it slightly later, and they're still known as a family club. But Watford are the original family club, and this was the home. the The ground, Vicarage Road, was the home, especially because it would have concerts every other year to, again, raise money. For the, for the operation of the club.
1: Mm, mm. Yeah, extraordinary, an extraordinary place. And I suppose you, know, you, you, you realise that you were on a pretty great ride at the time, but looking back on it now, 40 years later, um, it was absolutely exceptional and the sort of thing that you know, one can just feel very privileged that one was able to be part of that. Yeah,
0: it was Elton and Graham, and it was the ethos of the team. There don't seem to be any bad eggs about the team, looking back and having read Lionel Burney's book, enjoy the game, which is in the Football Library, although it doesn't have Elton John's contributions, and this does. <laughs> um, you, you are reminded that this this is a town that yes survived the eighties recessions, but twenty thousand people from St Albans and Hatfield and probably North London coming back around. This was a place where you would see friends. Mm and catch up with what was going on on the pitch. But do you find that having um, written this and put the photos together for the book that you appreciate what Watford Football Club is even more than you even did before, flicking through the, the glorious era of the Slouten game in the UEFA Cup and uh, Gift Noel Williams, who could have been... Could. The great England striker, were yes. it not for injuries? Yes. So you, you feel more, more attached to the club?
1: Um, I think the thing that it's made me realise, especially, and more, more, even more so than before, is the, the level of engagement that supporters have. I mean, we started to talk about the, getting supporters to tell their stories. Um, and there are about 50 supporters' stories in here. Um, We had three or four times as many as that that we had to choose from. And I chose them on the basis of trying to get a different angle in each one. But so many of them come back to it being a place of belonging um, and having this sort of emotional resonance for them. Um, And that might be because of the way they were inducted into it by parents Often a father but but sometimes both parents or or a relative or a school friend um, and people love telling their stories in, in surprising detail and some of very very interesting detail um, One of the stories, possibly my favorite is from someone called David Moore, who writes about going to his first match in nineteen sixty five uh, with his young brother and their dad. And as they left the ground, they were presented with a wooden rattle by an elderly fan who said, I don't need this anymore, boys. It's yours now. So there's this sense of the passing of the torch, uh, or the passing of the rattle, uh, uh, the sacred object of support being passed down through the generations. Not even a family in this case, just an older fan recognising that there were two young lads who were the next generation of fans and giving them his represent, the representation of his support?
0: Yeah, well, the tribe. I mean, we are a tribal species and Watford is kind of a micro-tribe and it's one of 92 or 150 professional tribes, as we're seeing now with Welcome to Wrexham, uh, which is the Ryan Reynolds, Rob McElhenney series. Wrexham, it's not about football, that show. It's about the community of Wrexham and how much the football club which isn't doing brilliantly at the moment but with a bit of cash they can do really well it's kind of in micro what Newcastle, what's happening at Newcastle but that feels less organic than what happened at Watford mm. even though Elton John did give a million pounds and that was principally the reason why
1: Watford rose through the divisions I think, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't disagree with any of that Uh, I think one of the things that that gives the place its charm, uh, the the, the ground its charm, is that it is a town ground. Um, It's in the centre of the town. You walk to it. People have always walked, kind of in the past, because nobody had cars, but it was easy enough to get from the town centre now because you can't get near it even if you do have a car. Um, so it's always been a journey on foot and that sort of builds the anticipation in its own right. I yeah, think. I think it's the Lowry, it's the, the um, walk to the ground. But it's a, it's a town club um, and there are a few other town clubs, Burnley, Ipswich, Reading... Um, but there aren't that many, especially not operating in the higher reaches of the football pyramid. Um, and uh, I, you know, we've never moved. If I go to a new stadium, I, uh, which uh, you know, the, it, it's reasonably frequent because the, the, over the last several years, plenty of clubs have moved. I remember going, to, I, I'm, I'm thinking, well, this just, just doesn't have the soul I remember going to Leicester and then Southampton um, fairly soon after each other, probably 2007-2008, and thinking, well, these two grounds are the same. It's just that one of them's blue and one of them's red. Yes. And I I can't imagine that a fan of Leicester will have developed the relationship that they have with the stadium, partly due to its evolution and seeing it grow and evolve... Um, I, I, I can't imagine that that relationship is quite the same. No, whereas there is now
0: no person alive, one would presume, who attended that first game in 1922, who attended the game against Middlesbrough uh, in August, which Watford did win 2-1. We didn't play particularly well, but I imagine the kind of fireworks to I'm still standing at the the top of the game. <laughs> uh, and the smoke was still clearing as the, the whistle went. Uh, helped Watford on their way. It almost doesn't matter if Watford go up this season because we're going to be celebrating 40 years since Watford went and finished second in the football pyramid, the biggest finish ever. Mm-hmm. You are the editor of this book, 100 Years at Vicarage Road, by Jeff Wicken in yellow. Oh. Yellow on a black background. Or gold. <laughs> gold, I suppose it would be. Yes, at half-time in this Middlesbrough game, trotting onto the pitch were all kinds of fans and players as well. So yes. can you give a couple of examples
1: of players who spoke to you for the book? Um, well, you mentioned Gifton. I spoke to him. And I spoke to Tommy Smith and Steve Palmer. I spoke to Luther. Yes. probably, the, And I spoke, I spoke to um, Bill Shipwright, who has subsequently passed away. So there's some terrific stories that he's got. Um, And Peter Walker. Now, Peter Walker was the most interesting um, because he's got this fascinating wealth of stories. Um, To focus on one of them, um, he signed pro at the age of 21. Oh, wow. uh, After he'd done his national service. He hadn't been on the club's junior books. He'd left school at 14 and at that point had gone to work for the West Harts Post in the advertising sales department worked there for four or five years, um, and volunteered to do photography at the weekends. So occasionally he would find himself sat behind the goal as a photographer, trying to capture the moment when a goal would be scored. This is five years before he was playing for Watford. And then he produced his collection of memorabilia, and amongst them was a photo taken in 1949 um very interesting one it shows a penalty being scored but at that time the rookery end was completely open they'd just taken down the original rookery stand that had come across from cassio road they brought it with them so for 10 years that was an open end as well and i said to him did you take that picture there peter because it had a west heart post stamp on the back and he said well I might have done because that was at the time I was doing it Um, and I think he probably did because he described how it was difficult to take pictures at the time you you only were given six photographic plates for the whole match and you'd try and catch a goal but you know, usually you'd, you'd find you'd failed, but when there was a penalty, you could just go around the back and, and, and take a picture of it.
0: And so Taffy Davis was probably aiming for his head. <laughs> the Port Vale keeper not wearing gloves. I must apologise for the noise. We are in the football library. There are works going on uh, to shelve this kind of four pound <laughs> monolith of a book. But yes, Peter Walker was at that game. Yes, he was to be at a game the... at half
1: time. We were... Rich
0: was trying to lead him on for the questions, and it was lovely seeing and. The older names would mean more to people who have been for 50, 60 years. As someone who've been regularly for 10, uh, even seeing Steve Palmer, who famously wore every shirt in uh, the season before squad numbers were given, he's a brainy chap. Stevie Palmer, Oxbridge graduate.
1: Yes, now working for the Premier League as their data specialist.
0: Yes, so he was looking at data to show why his former club were doing so abysmally (laughs) last season. So uh, this must have kept you sane as Watford went through three managers inside six months. uh, You were putting together the process. What was the, the last photo? Do you remember the last photo that you sourced for this book? Yes. Oh, yes,
1: oh, absolutely I do because it was we held the we held the print to, so that we could get a picture of the Elton John concert. But of course, yes, he played two gigs as part he of the world two tour. Two gigs and the very last photo on the, on the narrative section is a picture of Elton. Oh, that's magnificent. On the first of the two nights he played at Vicarage Road with, wearing he,
0: a lettered uh, dressing jacket. Gown, yes. And this is a magnificent picture that will be on Not the obituary, because he won't die for 20, 30 years. But this is what he built. He he, he said Watford saved his life. Uh, And it's got Tommy Smith and Steve Palmer with their player stories. And then the statue of Graham Taylor, which you will have met many a time. But yes. It's um,
1: It's a lovely way to end the book with Graham and Elton on the same double page spread.
0: Absolutely. And yes. I remember I didn't go to the gig, but I, I took my partner and said, do you want to just stand outside because the sound <laughs> will carry? <laughs> there were some, some other people who had done that as well. Um, but Elton um, contributed a forward to this book. Probably everyone who's everyone who has any big connection. Was John McClelland in there? No, he's a not. He's oh. not.
1: Um, space limited it, actually. Once we had a certain number, all the spaces are used up. Yeah. With the players, I did them after I'd done all the supporters. So to some extent, it was well, you know, can we cope with one player or two player from this decade for for reasons of space? And
0: there are other books, notably Tales from the Vicarage and Enjoy the Game. Watford is a very well written about club, and I must mention the Watford Treasury.
1: Well, thank you. Yeah. So this is kind
0: <laughs> of it was there was uh, the sold in the club shop and online as well. Just type Watford Treasury into your Facebook. Of choice. Um, do you have a favourite chapter? The one that you think... Oh, the one that you think non-Watford fans, perhaps who support the Hatters, who will go and, and at least kind of um, chasten themselves in order to learn a little bit about their rivals?
1: I'm not sure that I do. I do like the 50s. Yeah. I, that was, and that was actually the first chapter that I wrote as a sort of template for what the chapters were going to be like. Um, because I had a clear view of what I wanted to say about the 50s. Basically, there were three significant things that happened. Um, They played Manchester United in the Cup in January 1950. It was a huge deal. Um, Then they put the first set of floodlights in, in 1953, and then they built the rookery cover. In 1958. So, and we saw one of those floodlights because yes, in the football library, I should in, say. In the, in the exhibition downstairs. In the exhibition at
0: the Watford Museum, which is where we are now and where my mind palace of the football library really lives. <laughs> there is an old floodlight from the 1950s. And I'm sure we can see a picture of it in the book. It's round. There are some action shots uh, that were there.
1: Um, there's also, oh, you went past the boxing. was not ah, the boxing yes, you just yes. stood on. Yeah, here. So in September 1950, again, as a fundraiser, um, they staged a boxing tournament on the pitch. um, And we have in the exhibition downstairs the programme from that event. Randolph Turpin fought that day. He, he He was the British heavyweight champion. There were three of the four Buxton brothers who were a big Watford boxing family. They were all on the bill. You can see all the seats that were constructed around there. Uh, I mentioned interviewing Bill Shipwright. He has a story of being on the ground staff at the time, um as a young lad, uh, and he and one or two of the others apparently had to spend the nights sleeping underneath the ring as a deterrent for thieves who they thought might come in and steal stuff. Um you know, bits of the 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 the, the structure. Or some of the seating. So they, some of the, the, the members of the staff had to sleep on, on the pitch. And I guess it does look like you can
0: walk straight in. From, uh,
1: was that the throwdowns? Yeah, well, security wouldn't have been that tight, especially at weekday nights. Um, but it, the other points to to, to to note about this is that they played two home games on this within the next four days. And also you see the, 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 the background of the whole town. So there's the original brewery uh, the Bentskins Brewery is is very visible. The, the gasometer that was uh, on the Lower High Street. Um, so you you get the vista of the town skyline as well as this fabulous picture taken from fairly high up. Yeah, in I was going to say, it looks like the yeah,
0: it would be the top of the start. And this is page seventy-eight and nine in your textbooks. If you if you do have a copy to hand, and a thousand people do, and there are going to be <laughs> two thousand more wrapped under various Christmas trees, uh, it is a good present. And it is only twenty pound twenty two pence, this book, which is really smartly priced. And it, it will look great on any coffee table or in the long break during the World Cup.
1: Yes, big sales push during the Absolutely.
0: World Cup. Absolutely. Ah, we we've a lit upon Ollie Phillips. I think we should finish with Ollie, um, because he is the scribe who has described Watford for 50, years. yes, it was, from 1960 to 2005. And he's he still with us, although in France. France.
1: In France. Uh, so I, I, I know him somewhat. We made him aware that we were doing this book. And I sent him an email and said, would you be prepared to write a thousand words um, on the theme of supporting the club as a boy before you became a journalist? And he nailed it. He produced the super piece. Um, it's very Ollie Phillips for those who remember reading <laughs> his words and the way that he approached things. They'll they'll be they'll feel very uh, very warm about. Yeah, it's that. like old old pair of slippers. Yes, or an old little jacket. From, from the um, but some nice little uh, references, um, and uh, just just really nice. And it's, it's it's a real delight to have him sort of. endorsing this quite right and he's the doyen of 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 all things written about Watford football club quite right Right.
0: it was one of his workplaces and the Watford Observer still going Andrew French is now the sport editor uh, and in a world where Watford Stadium is going around the world don't forget we beat Liverpool just before the pandemic in what was probably one of Watford's most significant ever victories this is a club which is not like Liverpool. It's not a championship winning. site. it's next to a hospital. I had my COVID jab there. And there is indeed near the back of the book, a picture from behind the goal, not taken by Peter Walker, probably taken by Alan Cosy. Yes. Actually. What? And it shows uh, the Elton John stand. It's got the, the letters of your song. And I've, I was watching this in Bosley's on Watford High Street because <laughs> I didn't get a ticket because I thought there's no way that that scoreline is going to feature... Three now. There's Sarr scoring a goal. uh, Will Hughes, and this is this is just
1: after Deany's scored his goal. You can see him in the the middle of the shot there. But Alan, I found this quite interesting because in from the nineteen twenties, you're kind of when you're doing a book like this, any photo you can find is is on the short list because there are so few. Watford were in the third division south. The national photographers never came, apart from big cup ties. These days, um, you know, with with technology being as it is, there are too many photos to choose from. Um, so I, I said to Alan, look, I want a picture of um, uh, a meaningful moment from this Liverpool game because we want to feature it as one of the golden games, where, which, which we're giving a DPS treatment. And he sent me, I don't know, 20? And six of them were from behind the goal just after Deeney scored, or as he was scoring, and so you your end you the, the the possibilities of the the choice that you have is 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 too great really in the end, you go for one on the basis of the position of the ball in relation to the uh, hexagonal net design yes and the fact that Alisson the Liverpool goalkeeper on his hands and knees is looking particularly bereft and it's at almost that symmet- yeah,
0: it's symmetrical because the ball is the other side of the double page spread and this must have given you appreciation this is page 240 by the way so that is value for money um,
1: i think it's the best value thing you can get in the club shop well you can have an autograph book for 19.99 <laughs> <laughs> or you can have this for twenty pounds twenty two. So for 23, 23 pence extra, you get forty thousand words and all these pictures. But uh, you're probably best not getting people to autograph. That's
0: it. true. Yeah, Jeff Jeff Wicken is the the one autographing <laughs> it. There's a is there a roll call of people who were involved in the book in the front or the back? Uh, in the back, there is. Yes. Yeah. There's the supporters' so, memories and everyone
1: who who sent us a, a memory in, regardless of whether we used it or not. And um, all of the uh, the people I've, who, who who were helping me, I've I've written I hope something nice about. And uh, can I can I
0: just and I always because I always look at the acknowledgement. Many thanks to Penny for putting up with the many yeah. hours I've spent on the preparation and writing of this book, and to Tom and Amy, who's a great trumpet player by the way, <laughs> uh, for their support. And yes, uh, so you. You you thank your kids and your wife just after after, this paragraph with all these Watford figures, including Luther and Troy and Ian Bolton. And this is the gift for any Watford fan or anyone curious about Watford,
1: maybe someone in Brazil. I hope that it has a a much more general resonance because there are a lot of people out there who like books about football stadiums and the, the meaning of football. Um, oh, you've got to send Simon Inglis a copy. I should, yes. Who is the, the expert I should. on football Um games. So, you know, you, I don't think you have to be a Watford fan to appreciate this. Obviously, if you are a Watford fan, you'll appreciate it all the more. It'll spark off your own memories. Uh, it'll spark your own memories. But, but in another way, it's about the evolution of the game and how we as supporters watch the game. You know, you're going from... Uh, the the era of baggy shorts and clumped boots bang, with... and grass banking, through the era of upgrades to stands, um, to what is now a thoroughly tidy, compact stadium um, that holds slightly fewer than it used to years ago. Yeah. Um, so it tells a story of of how football has changed, I think, uh, and the way in which we have watched football has changed and that 's a story that, that would apply anywhere and I think for, 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 for people who are interested in that, yes, it happens to be Watford, but actually it 's much more resonant than that. Just like the library, just like the-